I have my fir tree scented candle lit Aww. next to me, so I'm just luxuriating. We were not able to get a tree up this year. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen film and rom-coms. I am one of your co-hosts, Martha Sullivan, library manager, YA lit enthusiast, and Christmas movie expert at this point. (laughs) Uh, And I am here, as always, with my co-host. I'm Marin Hagman, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. And we are here today to discuss the 2021 Netflix original, A Castle for Christmas. Uh, Spoiler alert right at the top, this movie dropped uh, just earlier this month. So if you have not seen A Castle for Christmas and you would like to view it spoiler free, I suggest pausing the episode and coming back uh, after you have watched it. Although, to be honest, if you, you know how this movie plays out. If you have seen if you've seen any advertising, if you've seen the poster for this movie, you know how this movie plays out. <laughs> a Castle for Christmas was written by Allie Carter and Kim Bayer Johnson and directed by Mary Lambert and stars Brooke Shields as Sophie Brown, Carrie Elwes as Duke Miles, Lee Ross as Thomas, Andy Osho as Maisie, Tina Gray as Helen, Aileed Lone as Rona, Stephen Oswald as Angus, Vanessa Grass as Lexi, Desiree Birch as Claire, Anthony Strahan as Eamon, Drew Barrymore as herself, and some other various uh, actors in filling filling out the Scottish yeah. cast. <laughs> uh, Castle for Christmas is about... Uh, Best-selling romance author Sophie Brown, who tanks herself by killing off the love interest of her long-running romance series, and decides to retire to the Scottish countryside for a brief hiatus while her publisher works on repairing her reputation. Um, While she is there, she visits a castle that her family used to uh, be the groundskeepers for. And falls in love with it and decides to purchase it. The only problem is that it's currently owned by grumpy Duke Miles, uh, who is hesitant to sell, even though um, he needs to in order to continue supporting the landowners around the castle. Uh, Sophie enters into a really stupid real estate agreement uh, that the Duke is fairly certain she will bow out of, forfeiting her deposit. Uh, and leaving his, um, leaving his, leaving the countryside, um, what he does not bank on is, uh, Sophie falling just completely in love with the village, the people who live in the village, the castle, and ultimately Duke Miles himself. This movie is going to fill your plaid needs for the season. (laughs) So much plaid. So much plaid. Um, no, this movie, this movie, as far as I'm concerned, filled all of its promises to me. It had lots of plaid. It had lots of beautiful panning shots of the Scottish countryside. It had charming, a charming pub and a village, quirky villagers that Sophie gets to befriend. 
Um, I have questions about Sophie's romance authordom. Yes. <laughs> um, but all in all, I thought this movie delivered on everything that it promised. Yeah, I will say, speaking of Sophie's romance authordom, I was very nervous at the beginning of this movie because despite apparently being a very, like, high-powered romance novelist, Sophie seems to not have predicted the backlash that would come with killing off the love interest in her romance series, which is, like, the cardinal sin of writing romance. I would like to take my questions over her writing career one by one, if that is okay, okay with you. Sure. Number one, she has been writing for 20 years and has only written 12 novels, yeah, which that's... is not, not necessarily like I'm not being critical. 12 novels over 20 years is like more than I could write. Um, however, that feels light for it how does. famous they are positioning her to be. It does. I mean, if we think about like, Nora Roberts. Nora Roberts comes out with two books a year. Um, And she just, like, she is, I felt that the movie was putting her, putting her at, like, a Nora Roberts level in terms of fame. Like, she goes places and people recognize her by sight. Um, She has apparently infuriated people, like, across the globe with how she, like, the level of fame did not necessarily match her output. And also 12 seemed like such an arbitrary number. Like why not, why not have her have written more books than that? Right. So yes, that was question number one for me. <laughs> question number two was, you didn't think people would be mad, right? <laughs> and honestly, like when I first started watching this and I did find out later that Allie Carter, one of the screenwriters, um, I think has written some, I don't know if they're like YA, but some like romancey type things. So my first reaction was like, oh no, not another thing written by people unfamiliar, like who are like judging the fans for being mad about something that's very reasonable for them to be mad about. I see. I don't think the movie was judging the fans. I think right. the movie. I think the movie does want to make it clear that her her um, decision to kill her main character's love interest was pretty unhinged. Like yes. from a romance author point of view, which I appreciate it. I, I was nervous at first because I I was not sure that it was going to go there, and I was worried it was going to go. Oh, these stupid fans, like, they have no right to be mad. You are going through stuff, honey. And I like that her publisher was like, yeah, you did this thing that you shouldn't have done. And I'm, like, really trying to, like, back you up and fix it for you here. But, like, we've got a problem. (laughs) Question number three. Uh, Her publisher let her do that? I know you would think how would that get through like I just don't believe that any publisher familiar with the genre will let that get through multiple stages of editing and proofreading and marketing like like I feel like she would have had to have a solid as bedrock plan like if if you're going to if you're going to do that like what is your end game like I do not see the publisher of a long running successful series like that okaying that decision 
unless her follow-up was like, but in the next book. Right. Well, and I and think... This, oh, like, what we, what we find out is that she... Like, as, as far as I can tell, that series is now over. Yes. She just moves on to a different series, starts writing under uh, a different, you know, her main name. Which, again, you know, Godspeed. There are a lot of... This was another thing where I was like, oh, yeah, she's supposed to be Nora Roberts. Because Nora Roberts writes a ton of different stuff under different names to kind of differentiate... Like, what kind of books you're reading, which also is not uncommon for authors. Um, and I was like, okay, so she's going to write, like, she has her her modern romance under Sophie Brown. She has whatever historical stuff she's now writing under Sophie McGinty. Like, that all makes sense to me. Um, but also, you do get the feeling that the the original romance series that she made her name off of is done. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, that kind of that kind of sucks. Yeah, in a, like, <laughs> Game of Thrones, like, you whiffed it hard kind of way. Because, yeah, no, ro- like, the romance reader community is just not gonna, like, she's done. <laughs> like, they're not gonna take that. Like, so, sorry, this is getting really into the weeds, but as someone who spends probably more time than I should on romance novel Twitter, there is actually one publisher that has done some kind of similar things, and yes, I will call them out. It is Berkeley Press, um, and there, there've been a couple of books that don't have a, a happily ever after and people have rioted. Like the good what? reads reviews have been like ones, like people, like romance readers have gone to these books and purposely put, oh yeah, it, the romance, the romance review committee, the romance review community can be brutal. Yeah. And I, I guess the flip side to that, and I don't know if this is giving the movie too much credit because this is not something that anyone actually comes out and says, this is me just kind of extrapolating. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if her pivot to whatever historical stuff she's doing now, it's unclear about whether it's like historical fantasy or historical romance. Right. Um, and publishing under a new name is sort of an acknowledgement that right. she's done. Like, even though people now know, even though people are aware that Sophie Brown and Sophie McGinty are the same writer, like her career as Sophie Brown is over. Yes, yes. And I, yeah, on one hand, I think I would have preferred it if they had been like, all right, continuing series here's new love interest because we are led to believe that the previous love interest and part of her motivation for killing him off uh was based on her ex-husband yes i think that's pretty clear (laughs) yeah and i i think in some ways the smarter thing for them to have done would have been to have her continue the series with a version of carrie alwis's character as the hero you know like because i think that would have maybe gotten her back into some good graces like that would have been the logical move to me i think that would have been the logical move in the real world from a film narrative standpoint i do understand where they're coming from with having her just be like that part of my life is over i'm going to scotland i'm going to start a new thing i'm because her whole like storyline in this movie is rediscovering what it means to be who she is So while I agree with you on like a in like a real world basis that that would be the smart move for her in the world of this movie, I understand why she's like, I'm doing a new thing. That part of my life is over. 
Um, also, you know that in these in these new books, the the love interest is one hundred percent going to be based off of Carrie Ellis's character. Oh yeah, like absolutely. that just kind of was like, oh yeah, that's where we're going. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I don't know. And again, like it seems like the Allie Carter has written some kind of romance novel adjacent e things. So I, you know, I feel like my complaint, I feel like my complaint with these type of movies is often just like let a romance novelist write these, and and she kind of is. So I think it got like a lot of those beats that usually these type of movies miss. But I I would have really appreciated if they had just like, you know, done a little more accurate, like. I don't know. They got well, so close. Maybe I'm just a little annoyed because I'm like, you got so close. Just go 100%. Come on. For sure. What did we think of Brooke Shields in this role? Um, I thought she did a good job. Um, Yeah, I enjoyed her. It's been a minute since I've seen her in anything. Same. Same. And I... I one of the complaints that I heard that I saw about this movie on the internet was that people did not feel that she and Carrie Elwes had good chemistry. Whoa. All right. And what I movie were like, they watching? I was going to say, I disagree. I really enjoyed watching them together. Yeah. I thought it. we have watched many a movie with much worse chemistry. Like, oh, at, yes. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. No. These two. Yeah. They had it. Come on, people. Well, and at this point, I have watched almost all of the Netflix uh, 2021 Christmas movies. I have not yet watched the newest Princess Switch movie because I will tell you, those are not entirely my bag. I thought the first one was cute. I never watched the second one. Same. Um, But of the ones that I have watched, I mean, compared to Love Hard, this was was a fairy tale. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, and I very much appreciated. I, I think that many people are doing this now with their ho- with their holiday romance movies. They're mixing up like the the demographics for their main characters. Yes. So like, even though this is still a very Lily White romance, I appreciated that our main characters are older. I liked that Brooke Shields is a divorcee. I feel like that doesn't happen a whole yes. lot. Um. I just I I liked that we are getting more older people who get to fall in love and have fairy tale endings. Um Yeah, I I really enjoyed watching um Shields and Elwes like get to fall in love and have their fairy tale after both of them have already had like their own love stories like i liked that they got to have another one yeah and i i think that you're yeah you're absolutely right that is not a a demographic or a story we see often enough i remember and it stands out to me um so there's an a romance novelist named mary baylog Mm -hmm. and she like has gone out of her way she writes really long series like they tend to be you know i think her current series is on like book 10 or something you know oh, book nine <laughs> um she tends to write really long series and in all of them she makes a point of putting an older couple in each of her series and i feel like i've seen an interview with her talking about that like on t- doing that on purpose yeah it's just it's always nice 
it's always nice to see that, especially because like I I watch a lot of The Bachelor and mm-hmm. Bachelor adjacent properties. And one of my least favorite narratives on there is when like women who are aged like 23 to 25 come on and are like, I this is my last chance for love. Ooh, and gross. and I'm like, girl, <laughs> come on. Um it's such an unhealthy way to look at stuff like to think of ourselves in terms of having an expiration date Mm -hmm. like if we don't have everything sewn up by age 25 or 27 that like we're gonna be alone for the rest of our lives and it's so refreshing to see somebody like Brooke Shields is beautiful but she also looks right pretty she looks her age like she she's the Hollywood version of her age of course but um you know, this is not a woman who's trying to look 20 years younger than she is. And it's so refreshing to to get to watch someone like that start over and fall in love and have her own, like, satisfying love story. Yes. Um, how did we feel about the quirky village characters oh, that I- Brooke Shields gets to know? I thought they were very cute. I liked her knitting group a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I thought those were really fun. Um, yeah, they were a really fun group. Um, I enjoyed, um, uh, Miles's, you know, right-hand man slash best friend Thomas. I actually also really enjoyed, I thought it was a really nice little secondary romance, uh, between mm-hmm. Thomas and Maisie, a kind of a, and I, like, second chance romance is my catnip. Um, mm-hmm. So anytime it come anytime it comes up, I, my ears perk up a little bit. But I thought it was very cute, and the idea was that you know Thomas and Maisie had had a thing back in the day, hadn't worked out. They've been through some he's, stuff. Yeah, he's clearly still in love. With, like they're both clearly still in love with each other. Yeah, like they've clearly carried torches for each other all through it all, and yeah, and it finally gets resolved. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a nice little secondary romance trope. I did too. I thought that the group was really cute. I I enjoyed that we have kind of a varied um, eclectic cast for that. I was a little bit bummed that the only queer character in the movie never gets to talk. Yeah. Like I, I appreciate, well, he gets like one line. Yeah. Um, but he, so he's an older fellow named Angus, whose deal is that his husband passed away, and that he hasn't. <sighs> was it that he hasn't spoken since his husband died, or that he just doesn't speak as much since I, his husband died? I took it as he just doesn't speak as much. Because yeah, he sort of comically doesn't talk in the movie, and I thought that was a bit of a bummer. Yes, yeah, um, that felt a little bit like. Well, we can put in a gay character and then just not have to deal with the fact that they're gay. Right, right. Like we can we can check our representation box, but not actually commit. Yeah. Um, but again, he's an older man who had a partner and like had a like that was that was cool. Um I just wish he'd gotten to have more of a like character. So this story, like many holiday-related stories, has its culminating event at a big holiday party that they host at the castle. Which I I thought that this was the one scene where maybe the budget showed a little bit. 
because in like the big group scene at the end, you could really tell like, oh, they didn't have that many extras. Right, right. Movie. It was a pretty sparsely attendant party for like inviting the whole the village. village. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but I love, I love a big party. I love a big holiday party. I thought that there was an appropriate number of trees and garlands and lights hung about. Um, I thought that in general, the set dressing in this movie was very good. Yeah, I think they did a really nice job kind of putting all the little touches. I loved her dress. I normally hate those type of plaid dresses, but I think they made it like just modern enough to like actually be attractive and not, you know, a tent. I yes, I enjoyed it. Although I have a clarifying question for yes. you that you might maybe were paying more attention to me. Was the deal with that dress that it belonged to Carrie Elwes's ex-wife or somebody else? I thought it was his mom. Was his, his was it his mom's? Okay. Yeah, I thought the, it was like a really old dress of his mom's that was hanging around. That she then has like mm. modernized. Yes. Okay. Cause I knew that there was something significant about the dress, but I, I missed like I blinked and I missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think it I think it was his mom's. Okay. I will tell you, I could have used so so the deal the progression of the story. We have her come out and sign the deal, and the whole thing is that the castle's going to be in escrow for three months until Christmas, which is basically Carrie Ellis trying to get, trying to make Brookshield so miserable in this crumbling down castle and make the task look so overwhelming for her that she forfeits her deposit and leaves. And she is like, I have steel in my backbone, so that's not going to happen. Um, and then like he puts her in a terrible room that's got no working fireplace and the whole thing is cold and awful. And I wish we'd gotten more of a montage of them fixing up the castle. Like yes. it felt like so much of that happens either off screen or just not at all. Yeah. And I was we... like, I want to see, I want to see them like tackle masonry together. I want to <laughs> see them have a fight I want to see them have a fight while they're plastering walls. They never fix the terrible wallpaper that's like <laughs> crumbling in her bedroom. Yeah, I did appreciate that they had a flash forward. Like, I'm glad that they didn't just keep it. Um, you know, like, I'm, I'm glad that it, it wasn't just like, you know, that there was the like month or two flash forward. Like, I think that made it more believable that like, oh, yeah, okay, there are a couple now and they've kind of figured out some of the like, day to day living with each other. But yeah, that definitely could have been a montage rather than a flash forward. It but just felt like it felt like they skipped three months really easily. Yes. Like, that was a large chunk of time that I I felt like there was enough meat that had to happen in there. Like she's, she's supposed to be working on her new book and they're like fixing up the castle and she's learning to like give tours. There was enough in there that I, I kind of missed. I could have used a couple more minutes of some kind of montage in there Same. just to, just to fill in the, the gaps there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes total sense. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I, I am glad that they, they put that time in there. Like I think it would have been way worse if they had it, but yeah, I think that, um, 
Yeah, would have been better as a montage than a flash forward. Um, how did they get it, Drew Barrymore? Sorry, complete like. Oh, <laughs> like well, what else? What else is she doing right now? <laughs> I guess that's true. I mean, I did appreciate, you know, because she she does actually have this talk show now. Is it still going? I think I was so. having trouble. Re- I was having trouble remembering if it was still active. I think it is. Yeah, I think okay, it's still cool. airing. Good um, for her. Yeah, but yeah, it was kind of when she first came on screen. I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> How did they get her? Who knows somebody?" I and then I, I I did kind of have a moment of like, would Drew Barrymore be the correct talk show venue for this? Right. Like I I was having. But then I don't watch her show, so maybe this would be in her wheelhouse. I don't know. I, I don't, don't associate. Either. I don't necessarily associate Drew Barrymore with romance novels. Same. Um, but I guess they had to have somebody, and if Drew was the woman that they could get, more power to her. Always love seeing Drew. Same, same. But yeah, it was kind of a like, oh, huh, okay. So I want to run a theory by you. Okay. About halfway through the movie, there is a couple that comes to check in to the castle Mm -hmm. and are told that the only available room is, like, the romance suite or something. Uh And then the film lingers on this couple in a way that makes you feel like they are going to be significant in some way, and then we never revisit that storyline again. Yeah. Did you at all think that that was her ex-husband? I for and the a woman that he was absolutely. about to marry. Absolutely. I, my conspiracy theory is that there is a plot line that got cut. Yes. Where her ex-husband, who she knows is about to get married to the other woman, and we know this because her daughter, they're getting married on Christmas, and her daughter is not able to come spend Christmas with her in Scotland because she has to go to the wedding. Um I I'm confident that there is a storyline here that got cut where they have their wedding at the castle. Either that And that was or, supposed to be them. Either that or my other thought was that this was a, a couple whose relationship was maybe like, you know, a little, you know, a couple whose relationship needed to be revived a little bit and that we were going to spend some time in like the magic of the castle. Mm-hmm. You know? That yeah, was my it was other a... thought process. But yes, my first instinct was, oh no, is that her ex-husband? Yeah, because also then the woman comes up, because at first it starts with the guy, and the the um, the inn is like, oh, you know, we only have the, the honey or the romance suite or whatever available. And then this woman comes up and she's like, oh, that'll be fine, or that'll be perfect, or whatever. And truly, I was like, oh this is the ex-husband, that's the other woman, mm-hmm. we're about to get some kind of confrontation, and then we never see them again. Yeah. And I was like, the movie absolutely wanted me to think something awful about this woman, like the way that she is framed, the tone that she takes, yep. like the whole thing is so deliberate, and then nothing happens with it and i was like that was a wild choice <laughs> yes yeah i i definitely think we're right that there was something intended for that couple that got cut mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, because it seemed too deliberate to then just drop. Yes. Yeah, again, my theory was they were going to have a little, like, couple rejuvenate relationship plotline, but, Mm -hmm. yeah, they definitely seemed more significant than they were. Yes. That was so weird. So weird. Um... Any more thoughts on this very enjoyable <laughs> movie? Yeah, I thought it was cute. I I didn't have huge expectations for it. I thought it delivered on what it promised. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's there's not a whole lot else there to say. Yeah. Um, did it remind me how sad I am that Carrie Elvis never got to play the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, was that a thing that was in the books for a bit? No, just a thing I wanted to happen in my head. Circa, like, 1992. I see. <laughs> he does have one of the strangest acting career Truly. careers ever. Um, just the fact that he was in the first Saw movie is still so very bizarre. strange to so me. <laughs> yeah. So what would you recommend to our listeners that they enjoy uh, after 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 curling up with a castle for Christmas and a cup of hot cocoa and a very cozy plaid, bl- <laughs> plaid blanket, which is, I think, the optimal viewing experience for oh, this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would recommend a book with a remarkably similar plotline um, called Romancing the Duke by Tessa Dare. Um that is about his old good knight who has a little bit of an amazing Amy from Gone Girl situation where her dad was a very famous, very famous author who wrote her um, and has now died. Um, and she has inherited this castle and kind of has nowhere else to go. Um, so she gets to the castle to find the, uh, the former owner still thinks he's the current owner. Um, and his name is Ransom, Duke of Rothbury. Um, and shenanigans ensue. Um, so some very similar, you know, forced proximity in the castle. Um, it's the first in her Castle Ever After series. Um, but yeah, a, a very enjoyable read with some similar themes. So if you like this movie, I would bet you would like this book, um, Romancing the Duke by Tessa Dare. Uh, Martha, what would you recommend? Uh, I am going to recommend something a little more sideways, um, but I'm going to recommend another 2021 uh, Netflix Christmas movie, um, which I only heard about because I read an article by Claire Fallon on Slate where she watched all of the 2021 Netflix Christmas movies. Uh, This one is called Anijah Christmas. And it is set in Nigeria, and it is about a woman and her three sons uh, who she challenges to marry before Christmas. And whoever marries first, because she is very desperate for grandchildren, whoever marries first gets to inherit her house and the land. So then it's about the three boys, or the three men, sorry, they're all grown men, um, who you know, have various romantic histories themselves. One is a kind of ne'er-do-well who uh, falls in love with a church girl, and one has a kind of cold-hearted ex who he tries to get back with with the um, help of his best friend 
who is a, a lovely young woman. You can bet you can, you know, bet how that oh, one yeah. turns out. <laughs> so it's a little bit like three very distinct rom-coms that are all kind of mixed up together um leading up to christmas and set in nigeria it is very colorful the music is excellent um i thought the characters were fun uh and it's a little bit different it's just a little bit different from the the christmas fair that is kind of typical speaking Um, of uh Women crazy to be grandmothers. Did you see that SNL sketch with AD Bryant and Kate McKinnon? I did not. Oh my gosh. When we're done, go YouTube it. It's called um, okay. it's called like Home Goods. But Okay. It is excellent. Um but yeah, so for for people who are um enjoying the holiday holiday enjoy holiday romances but are looking for something that's a little bit different. Um, but we'll also give you the same kinds of warm fuzzies and, you know, same kind of predictability. Because, again, you you pretty much know how this one's going to turn out. But the the aesthetic is a little bit different. It The music is a little bit different. Um, I found it very refreshing. We are going to be taking a one-episode hiatus. So we will not be back in two weeks uh, because... I and my husband are buying a house (laughs) and our recording schedule would have us releasing an episode on the same week as our closing. And unfortunately that was a little bit too much of real life uh, infringing on podcast life. So I apologize to all of our listeners out there. Um, I hope that you all have a wonderful Christmas break and we will see you back in the new year. Until then, you can uh, listen to our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework, which releases on the same feed on alternating weeks from us. Our next episode is going to be all about The Matrix, as Maren's husband Pete and I watch the new movie and talk about it in the context of the old ones uh, and also the Animatrix. Very excited about that. That is one of those movies I could talk about for literal hours. So, you know, enjoy that. Uh, you can also catch us on social media on all the places at DYDYH Podcasts. Uh, and you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your um, wherever you get your podcasts. Marn, where can people find you? Um, folks can find me on Twitter at A underscore star underscore danced, uh, where I almost exclusively tweet about romance novels. Uh, and you can find my personal feeds on all the places at Magical Martha. Uh, recently, it's been a lot of whining about how I got my wisdom teeth pulled out almost a week ago, and I can't eat real food and won't be able to before Christmas. Oh. So that is super fun. <laughs> but until then, I hope all of our listeners have a genuinely lovely holiday. Um, I hope everybody stays safe and does what they need to do. Um, Omicron is out there and it's scary. So get your booster shots. Uh, and we will see you back in the new year. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I was about to do the, did you do your homework (laughs) closure there? Um, but no, thank you all so much for listening and just remember that we love you. Fantastic. And with time to spare. Yes. 
Oh, what a morning yes. it's been. <laughs>